Well, if you're a Virginia Cavalier fan, you should have seen this one coming last night. I mean, first of all, we warned you, and if you don't believe us. Do you believe that? Yes, huh? you should. And if you don't, well, we keep receipts. And guess what? We keep receipts. At Fastlane, Ned Lane, where you listen to podcasts. But we warned you. I mean, this was going to be a challenging environment for Virginia when they went to Memphis last night. This is the first time they were going to be in an environment where the opposing team had coaches on both sidelines. On the conventional sideline, you had the teams in their bench with Penny Hardaway leading the Memphis Tigers, who look as, as good as they've looked during his tenure at Memphis. And then, of course, on the other sideline, you had Mark Goodfellow, noted car dealer, a.k.a. Coach Goody, always announcing his presence. Swag turned up, Coach, you already know. Catch me at the game, sit in front row. Ragging, of course, and in your ear. It was going to be tough for Virginia. I mean, I don't even know how to combat that if I'm a team. You know, you get sidelines on the one end, but talk about opposing teams getting coached up from both sidelines. That's a pretty unique environment. And Memphis started out with a 7-0 lead, 13-1 at the 16-10 mark. Now, to Virginia's credit, they cut it to 29-28 at one point in the six-point deficit, 38-32 at halftime. But really, this was a game where Virginia struggled from the beginning to ever get control of the flow and the pace of this game. A couple of things for that. One is that Reese Beekman was taken away. And when Reese Beekman was nullified by Memphis, the link they have with the guards at Memphis, the fact that they play very good defense and look as connected as you could expect a team with a lot of transfers to look, that was a real problem. And I think of anything for Virginia, this is the first game where, and I know they had two losses now, Memphis, uh, and then before that, Wisconsin. And they did not look great Saturday against Northeastern. But this is the first game where it looked like Virginia could have benefited from having Dante Harris. Not that Reese Speakman cannot run the point because he's very good at that. But they really missed having a second ball handler. And Tony Bennett was pretty adamant about when Memphis took away Reese Beekman, it really threw Virginia off. I mean, they're legit athletic. Um, and their plan is to make you make plays off the dribble and disrupt. And, um, you know, obviously Reese has the ability to do that. And, you know, everyone else for us struggled in that regard. And then they really started, you know, trying to take it out of Reese's hands or deny and switch everything. And, and again, be disruptive. Reese can handle the ball. Everyone else struggles. And then once that happened, it became obvious for Memphis just to deny Reese the ball and, and make someone else beat them. And let's be honest, it, it didn't work either way for Virginia. 58 points, uh, 54 points scored for Virginia and giving up 77, which is a season high that Virginia's defense has allowed. And some of that skill set, some of that's developing the mentality to address that skill set deficit. And Tony Bennett... You know, it wasn't fiery. This was not vitriolic. It wasn't yell, fire, and brimstone. In fact, it, it didn't even have the level of agitation that we, we heard from Coach Mox after the women's basketball team at UVA lost to Wofford over the weekend. You know, she was obviously audibly irritated. You never felt that from Tony Bennett. But he was blunt. Uh, the, the mentality of this team has to get better. They're very dangerous when they start knocking down threes. And, and they're, they're, again, their experience, their quickness, uh, athleticism is real. And uh, that, um, you know, if you don't have a level of real good soundness in that game and tough-mindedness, it's hard to stay attached. And they took it to us. I thought we answered early, okay, you know, 13-1, we got back into it. But every time I thought we're getting some footing, all of a sudden, 
it was either a careless turnover or they made a play or we and we broke down certainly defensively we couldn't couldn't even do that stuff that well we broke down defensively and couldn't even do that stuff that well tony bennett look I, you don't sugarcoat at this point yes they're nine and two they're a team that's going to make the ncaa tournament they'll be fine in the overall scheme of the acc but I, i'm this way if i'm tony bennett as well you know again i think it's different in the sense that it's Clearly, they're going to emphasize ACC play. They always do at UVA. And clearly, they're set up to be just fine once the meet of conference play begins uh, the eve before New Year's Eve, June, January, uh, December 30th. But I don't have a problem if I'm Tony Bennett taking that harder approach to coaching. Because right now, it's about preparing them for March, which has been a bugaboo for Virginia. And the inexperience showed last night, as Tony Bennett mentioned, and the only way to get better at that is you're kind of throwing guys into the fire and they got to figure it out on the fly. Our inexperience showed. It sure did. Um, you know, Reese was the only one, you know, as a perimeter guy. The rest, we were, a lot of times we had three first years out there, two or three second years, and that showed, but that's not an excuse. We, we have to be better than that. And, again, it'll be valuable to go through this as painful as it is, um, but uh, their pressure really, really got to us, and that's, you know, that's how they play. And if you don't have guys that can handle it, um, then it, that gets challenging, and I, I was hoping we'd be able to be a little little better. It'll be valuable to go through this even if it didn't turn out so well, basically what Tony Bennett is saying with his commentary. Well, 27 points off of 18 turnovers. That's what Memphis did last night to Virginia. Sometimes you don't call timeouts in those situations because you want your team to learn through the adversity, and they have to figure things out the hard way when you're dealing with young folks that that's the nature of it um you know it's similar in the world of basketball and then pivoting away from basketball you know knowing your identity is crucial and you know i think in football you can clearly question whether tony elliott is actually the right guy to lead virginia's football team over the long term that's a topic that will certainly intensify as uh, the next season comes into focus we're quite a ways away from that we haven't even gotten to spring ball or the second signing day and uh, players that may come through the transfer portal over the next handful of months to reshape a roster but if there's one thing i'll credit again i don't know whether it's the right kind of guys for virginia but if nothing else virginia at least having an understanding of their identity shaping a smaller class just 13 signees from high school but a higher volume of transfer players and understanding your identity being able to at least get guys that fit what you're looking for philosophically you you have to make a a determination on who you are and what your program's about and and i've said from day one i want to be a developmental program um, and with that, meaning that the bulk of your guys are going to be high school guys that you uh, recruit and then you develop, uh, and they become the good players over time. They also uh, help you establish the, the culture and the environment. Tony Elliott speaking today, National Signing Day press conference, about just understanding the identity of their program. And you know, to elaborate further, the concept of being a developmental program and how challenging that is in the era of the transfer portal. 18 total guys uh, that we signed uh, so far, and you know, 13 of those are, uh, are high school guys. And so we want to kind of keep that balance as long as we can. Now, what that also means, too, is we got to do a great job of retention of, of our guys. We got to develop our guys um, and so that we can keep that balance. And then if it gets out of balance, then you may have a year where you, you, know, you just got to react. But philosophically, our approach is we want to be a developmental program. Trying to find some level of balance. And to their credit, I mean, for as bad as Virginia was on the football field against Virginia Tech and as disappointing as the three and nine season happened to be for the Wahoos you know 
they by and large held on to a lot of guys you thought could transfer out of this program. Uh, they've added solid pieces in the portal. It doesn't erase the questions of offensive line play or frankly getting prepared for a rival like Virginia Tech and you know getting the caliber players that are going to win and being able to seal the deal in close games. I mean, those are all issues that still percolate, but to their credit, if nothing else, at least it seems like things have crystallized in terms of the identity that Tony Elliott wants for his team. And, you know, again, if you're a Virginia fan, what do you think the realistic expectation is for Tony Elliott or anybody leading the program? Is it Nine to ten wins, I think that's probably a bit of a stretch, but to be a team that can be, you know, what Duke has been in their best or Wake Forest, where you're a routinely a seven to eight, nine win team and you're qualifying for good bowls, you're in that discussion regularly, I don't think that's bad. And it sounds like conceptually Tony Elliott knows that that's what they want. Uh, obviously, being able to execute it is still a very reasonable question, much like it's a reasonable question to ask if you're holiday shopping and have not gotten the perfect gift, why in the world? Have you not gone to InsaneRadioDeals.com? 20% off Yamada Japanese Barbecue. 40% off BNC Sports Gift Cards, Fleet Feet Roanoke Gift Cards, and Sequest of Lynchburg Experiences. Plus, 60% off Botetok Golf and Swim Club, and 60% off Aquatrek Adventures Gift Certificates and Experiences at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Speaking of asking the question, if you're not getting the best Virginia Cavalier insight, why are you not going to CavsCorner.com where you're missing out on that? Well, that's one of the many questions we can ask to Brad Franklin, editor and publisher of CavsCorner.com, who joins us now here in the Fast Lane. Brad, a pleasure to speak with you. I hope this holiday season can treat you well now that we are mostly through National Signing Day. Um, we'll stick on the football stuff before wrapping up with basketball in just a moment. But do you get the impression that, if nothing else, Tony Elliott, the coaching staff, and the players they're bringing in fit with some level of defined identity in a way that maybe it was harder to do the last couple of years? Yeah, and I think that's a good that's a good frame, right? I think what Tony and his folks probably needed to do at first, and probably more so than they expected once they took over was really sort of get a sense of not just so much how the guys fit together schematically, but how they fit, you know, in terms of the greater vision. And I think, you know, we know, you know, how rough it was on the field for them last season, how tragic it was off the field at the end of the season. Um, You know, I think that that really, you know, there's no way to sort of um, put your arms around to sort of encapsulate what all of that meant for them going into spring ball. Um, so I think it's fair to say that going going into the second spring, right, finishing up their second season, being able to finish it up in full, um, they have a much better idea of what it's going to take um, than maybe you did when you walked in the door the first day. Um, I, you know, I, I think that if you, you look at some of the issues Virginia has had the last two seasons, some of it is definitely attributable to, you know, kind of a lack of succession planning, not to use an old Bronco Mendenhallism, but, you know, he didn't exactly leave things in the best of shape when he left. Now, granted, one of the downsides of, of the, I guess, the transfer portal uh, and this certain era of college football is, is that it's easier in a coaching change for guys to say, you know what, this isn't what I signed up for. I want to go do, you know, play in this system or play in that system. And that's totally fair. Like that's just, you know, finally the kids have the same rights that the the coaches have in terms of being able to change um, their locations. Um, But in terms of the program itself, it did kind of leave them a little bit of a lurch. You think about the number of offensive linemen, for example, that went in the portal that first year, where would they be uh, if some of those guys had played out their careers in Charlottesville versus leaving? Um, now they're on the back end of that, which is, I think, to say that they, they've done a good job of finding the guys who stick because they, they're guys now who stuck, right? That's not to say there weren't transfers. There were. 
Um, some of those guys, I think, understood this sort of bigger picture. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of those guys had some really tough conversations with the coaching staff about, hey, this is the role we expect you to have here. Um, if you, you know, if you want to have something different than that, feel free to, you know, to explore that. We'll support you in it. I, I think that's, that's a reality of the situation now. Um, you look at the number of recruits UVA signed in this class. Now, granted, they still have some time to add you know, a couple guys, but from a space standpoint, they don't have a lot of it. There are a lot of guys in in this program as well as in a host of others, right, who are still sort of in the you know at the end of those those COVID years, right, and so they have that extra opportunity. They have the opportunity to come back to play, and it did eat up some of the space that you know Tony Elliott and his staff probably could have used um, on the trail, be it um, traditional high school recruiting or even in the transfer portal. Now that being said, I think your point about identity, you know, as Virginia's offense took the field this year we talked in preseason right about like one of the things that i struggled with was like who are you offensively i need to see some progress and you saw that from that offense and i think that sense of identity who they want to be um i think that is now translated to kind of the the recruiting side of the house certainly on the transfer portal side of the house with malik washington you know that's a you know that's a blinking neon sign right that says hey if you come here you can you can do some big things um, and granted, you know, as great as Malik was, he and Malachi Fields were literally their whole offense at times, right? I mean, it was just the two of them. So they do have opportunity there. That's probably why even with Chris Tyree in the fold, they're still in the mix with uh, Andre Green, the former in-state receiver who is leaving North Carolina. Um, so all told, I think your, your point about identity is, is, is sound. And I feel like what Tony and his group have figured out is what are not just what are they looking for, but what do the kids need? Um, and I think that that's a really interesting sort of way to go into, um, you know, what is their third spring in Charlottesville. There are obviously warts to this team. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been 3-9 and nine this past year and uh, gotten destroyed 55-17 against Virginia Tech in that game. And, and that again, that game and last season, it, it, how it looks to the future is something we'll get into probably more in the offseason and what it shapes. But as it relates right now, in spite of all that, is the biggest win for Tony Elliott on signing day not the night the 18 kids brought in, 13 high schoolers, five transfers so far, but the players that Virginia was able to retain and prevent from entering the transfer portal? Yes and no. I mean, it's certainly good to keep Anthony Calandria, though I think fans were much more worried than anybody around the program about him leaving. I think he and his family are extremely happy with where he is, and certainly uh, his on-the-field um, play um, kind of implies that you know he's going to be around for a long time. Uh, Cam Robinson, I think, was probably the, the guy that most folks were the most worried about um, they were able to shore that up, and and being able to recruit your own guys now is just a is just a fact of life, right? It's as as real as as all the other pieces of this machine these days, right? I will say that even though they don't have like if you look at our rankings at rivals, you know UVA's class is not going to blow you away. It's not even top seventy five, right? Right, I, I don't think right now. I haven't looked at it in the last few minutes, but the thing changes pretty regularly. But you know, it's in the in the top eighty ish range, right? Which is not you know if we're going to be honest, it's not real great. The problem with that is, and and this is you know some. Some, some context for folks who maybe look at recruiting rankings. Each recruiting service, we all have to use some sort of mechanism by which we judge the classes, right? And the old number used to be 25. And it used to be that essentially you got credit for the first 25 people in your class. And essentially you are, in, in these rankings, you are hurt if you don't have more signings than you actually, than Virginia does, right? So Virginia has, you know, a, you know, a handful here, that they could have added, uh, you know, if they had five more, six more guys, 
that makes a substantial difference in the ranking, even though if you look at their overall sort of average star ranking, these are a lot of these kids are solid players who have nice offer lists. There's not as many what I, what I would call like flyers, guys that you're sort of taking a chance on late in the process. You know, Demi Starling is, is, is a guy, for example, really talented kid, but he didn't have a lot of D1 interest uh, in his recruitment at all. And Virginia kind of saw him late, wanted to go ahead and make a move, and they did. Um, I think you look at this class, there's some foundational pieces in this group, guys who can make a real impact for them down the road. And I think and that is in large part because I think the staff did a nice job of figuring out, again, fit. Um, understanding what they're looking for, what the guys who want like them, what those guys are looking for. Um, and even though this class is not going to blow you away in terms of ranking and all that, I think it's a really solid group. And that's not necessarily the way it has gone for Virginia on the recruiting trail. Um, the last, you know, few classes, I mean, it feels like it's all the way back to the, you know, Andrew Brown, Quinn Blanding days. But even before that, I mean, those classes were very unbalanced. This is a very balanced group with some, you know, some guys who, who fit a lot of different boxes, you know, usually multi-sport guys have a little bit of an academic tinge to them, guys who have, you know, some solid offers. You know, they're not choosing Virginia over, like, you know, Alabama and Georgia or anything, but they are choosing Virginia over teams that, you know, at least right now their programs are in a little better spot, and I think that's a really good sign for them as they go forward. Brad Franklin, CavsCorner.com, and at Cavs underscore corner on Twitter to keep up with them. Subscribe to the podcast. It'll drop within the next day or so. Certainly uh, packed with recruiting insight and info as today is National Signing Day, uh, the the first iteration of it, and it's a, it's a fluid calendar. You brought up an interesting point, though, about how to view National Signing Day, and it was you know what you brought out of high school and 25 players was the goal for each class, and that was kind of the effort and focus. Is there a magic number that you seek now between – total class and players that come in a class or is it harder to gauge that because oftentimes players come and go by the transfer portal all the way through the end of spring practice and heck the end of the spring semester yeah i think that's a good point and i feel like it's going to take several years before a lot of these schools get a get a sense of what this really looks like right because not only are you dealing with guys who leave you know it used to be guys transferred they transferred sort of like the same time frame right they gave it a, a year or two uh, they probably redshirted, but then they left. So you knew they weren't going to be contributors anyway, and so it was really easy for you to take that number, pu- push it into your recruiting budget, and sort of replace that way. Now you could have a guy who is a major contributor, um, a guy who is not doesn't have like NFL aspirations, at least not immediately, and he goes to someplace else. Think about Central Cypress, for example, right? Last year they knew they were going to lose um, one corner. They weren't. They probably didn't go into it thinking they were going to lose a second. Um, not having two good corners made a big difference for that defense, right? So I think it's going to take some time before you f- sort of figure out the, the, the calculus on what's your balance between your high school guys, your transfer guys, how, much, how many guys are you taking per year? Because each, if you think about it, it's, 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 it kind of rolls, right? Because exponentially, if you lose a guy as a freshman, well, yeah, you can go out and get a portal guy or you can go get a high school guy. But either way, those numbers kind of hit a little bit different depending on how you're trying to cut up the pie. Um, what you, I think you ideally like, and to, to what Tony Elliott said today about sort of a developmental program, what you ideally like is that you're getting guys on the front end, either guys that you've scouted and evaluated who you've offered and either signed or guys that you scouted, evaluated, went somewhere else, and now you're able to bring them back home. Tony Bennett has been historically very good at this, right? What we call in the industry bounce-back recruitments. There's, these are guys like Anthony Gill, right, um, guys like um, Sam Hauser, right, guys that, that Tony and his staff had recruited, 
they didn't get the first time, they got the second time. I think Tony Elliott and his staff would probably like to do the same thing, and they've done that with some of these kids, right? Um, like, for example, maybe it wasn't Tony and his folks specifically, but it was Virginia as a program. A lot of these guys, I think what you're going to see, and this is happening a little bit over the, 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 the country in general, um, but we need to give it a couple more seasons and a couple more cycles before we can really get a sense of what's actual versus what's anecdotal. But I think you see a lot of guys who go away for school, maybe they chase the greener grass and they realize, you know what, it wasn't that great. I should probably just go home. And you get a lot of these guys like Chris Tyree, guys who are coming back to their, you know, their home state who – have the opportunities that they had elsewhere, but they get to do it a little closer to home. I'm curious if that won't actually have a bigger impact on in-state recruiting for a lot of different programs. And if ever there was a time for Virginia, Virginia Tech to bring a bunch of dudes home in the transfer portal, now's the time. Because I think it's an opportunity for them to to show kids, like, hey, that grass isn't always greener. And if you think about the struggles that both of those programs have had, a lot of it comes down to not bringing in those in-state players who have gone elsewhere. There's been a a lot of highly rated guys in Virginia that have just not really given Tech or UVA serious looks. And I feel like the way these tasks, these both of these coaching staffs have looked at it, I think they're trying to change that. And it goes back to that whole piece about identity and understanding who you are. As part of that identity, Virginia Cavalier football featured six players in the trenches, three on the offensive line, three on the defensive line, according to y'all's uh, information on the commitment list at CavsCorner.com. Brad, how much of that is, you know, you're going to, by and large for Virginia, if you're signing guys out of high school, it may well be linemen that you need to develop because you're less likely to get those guys if they're decent or even above average in the portal because let's be honest, a lot of them come with a price tag, whereas you may have more flexibility getting guys at the skill positions, wide receiver, cornerback, and positions like that, and therefore Virginia has to have that approach. Yeah, that's a really good point. I feel like offensive linemen, and, and Virginia kind of you know understood that even better this year because one of the guys that was their highest you know sort of rated or regarded transfer was ultimately was not a great fit for him on the offensive line. Um, now that's not to say that that won't be something that you know developmentally is is not a problem that's solved down the road. But for right now, you know the idea that you're going to be able to go out and find an offensive line transfer. Everybody in the in the country would love to find a six foot six, three hundred pound tackle who would like to go play someplace else, right? And so what you're finding is is you see a lot of the guys at lower levels who want to move up. The problem is, is that a lot of those guys who are good enough that play at that level on the offensive line, you know, they're going to specific schools. And so I think it's in Virginia's best interest. Yeah, sure. If you find a guy, you know, let's say, let's say a Makai Becton goes to Louisville in his career, decides, you know what, in this day and age, I want to transfer. I want to come back home. Right? Yeah, that'd be great if you could find that. But those type, those type of dudes are going to be few and far between. You're much more likely to go out and find you a skill position guy, like you said, um, who can fit in the transfer portal. What you really need to do is you need to hit on your evaluations of your offensive linemen. I think that's why Terry Heffernan you know, was real big in the whole multi-sport um, athlete, and I think he talked a lot about that uh, on the coaches' show today, um, which, for the record, I think UVA did a nice job of Doing something a little bit different for signing day, they did. Uh, you know, they did the presser with Tony, but then didn't actually stream that until after uh, on the website until after they'd finished up their two-hour coaches show that was also on ACC Network Extra. But overall, I think you're exactly right. You're just not going to find a lot of offensive linemen in the portal if you're Virginia. You know, you're Ohio State, you're Alabama, you're Georgia, you're Michigan. Yeah, you can go find those guys, right? But the reality of the situation is Virginia's not going to probably play in a lot of that water, so it's a lot better off for them to go find dudes in the trenches early, develop them, uh, and 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 probably keep that process going forward. Uh, and you know what they got this year, 
solid solid pieces, solid additions. Guys, if nothing else, they need numbers. I mean, they just don't they just don't have a lot of depth. And and if anything, that's one of the things that the tech game really showed you is that, you know, there were multiple guys on that offensive front who were clearly, very clearly not healthy. And yet UVA didn't have any choice but to, to ask them to go out there and, and just kind of grin and bear it. Uh, and and we saw what happened. It was disastrous. So I feel like for Virginia, long term, you got to have a lot more offensive line stability, and and, and it's going to take several classes. I think like this one, where you get solid pieces that you can kind of build around, in addition to finding transfers when you can find them. And that part may not be done as it always seems to be evolving, uh, but it kind of comes for a circle. Knowing your identity is a topic we've covered quite a bit with Brad Franklin, whose identity is clear at Cavs underscore corner on Twitter and CavsCorner.com. Brad, we'll wrap it up with that. We'll postpone basketball until a little bit later because there's plenty of time for that. And uh, I don't know how many Virginia fans really want to relive the 77-54 beatdown <laughs> in the M-Town last night. Yeah, that's not spoiler alert for those who are uh, going to be looking for the podcast in the morning. We're probably not going to talk about that. We're gonna we're gonna focus on something, uh, some good news uh, at least on the recruiting front. And certainly, uh, there's plenty to talk about there. So I appreciate that. <laughs> who who knew the good news would come from football and not basketball? <laughs> Yeah, not exactly the way I designed it, that's for sure. (laughs) No, indeed. But when the podcast drops, we'll be listening to that as well. Brad, have a wonderful Christmas and a great holiday season to you and yours. And look forward to chatting again in 2024. Same to you, man. Take care, buddy. Brad Franklin with us here in the Fast Lane. Uh, We touched on Virginia basketball at the start of the show. So if you missed it, check it out there. And, of course, weigh in Fast Lane and Lane wherever you listen to podcasts, five-star reviews, of course, or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. When we return, the other side of the Commonwealth not really the coastal since there are no more divisions but virginia tech dame yes that dame damian sortelet of roanoke.com will touch on the Hokies and a big part of their focus their identity trying to get back to the roots of virginia that next here in the fast lane